Today, we are in the week two of our pulpit series on the Psalms, and we are on the Lament Psalms. Okay, before I step one more step forward, I want to pray. I want to pray. Father, may you take today's word. May you take it and like the bread that the little boy offered and the fish that the little boy offered, multiply it so that um, as many as are present can be fed, can be fed because this, this, this food began as one boy's food. And now it's going to become one church's food. And so, Father, we thank you that you can do this. You've done it before. You'll do it again. And pray that today everyone will leave feeling nourished by your word. Less of me, more of you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We're in the lament psalms. And, and I feel obliged to to be a bit <laughs> no i'm not i'm not going to be a bit today right um and so uh here's the thing we are in a series so today last week we were in the in the praise psalms if you can see the next slide last week we were in the praise psalms this week we are in the lament psalms and you would think that they are diametric opposite ends of the spectrum one side is like cheering you know and then and praising god and then the other side is like oh you know um but it's not quite like that we know that praise is not just being pumped up for god right praise often comes as the tail end of wrestling with god and the realities and so i like to think even though it doesn't sound uh, um intuitive that lament is the natural flowing on the natural next thing to talk about when we talk about praise we'll take a one week break next week for easter resurrection sunday come on somebody somebody in the house make some noise for resurrection Pastor Ramesh will be preaching and after uh, 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 the service, at the end of the service, not after, it's the end of the service, seven of our baptismal candidates are going to go into the waters of baptism and will emerge with that resurrection power as a seal over their lives, over a public declaration. That's powerful right so and then we're going to come back for the devotion psalms and the justice psalms and so today here we are in the laments now i spent two weeks working on the next slide so let's show it to you if you were to categorize all your psalms into their different genres okay into their different genres it would look like this okay um the dark gray ones are the laments um the yellow ones are the thanksgiving psalms and then the Orange ones are praise. Thanksgiving psalms are like praise psalms, except that they tend to tell the story of their troubles. And then through that, they give thanks uh, to the Lord for their troubles, uh, for, for, for delivering them. And then it ends on a note of praise. It's very much like um, the straight up praise psalms, right? You've got psalms of confidence and devotion, psalms of wisdom, uh, um, uh, royal power, where it describes the king coming to bring judgment and stuff like that. Um, and then you've got historical psalms that tell the story of Israel, right? And so you will notice a few things, quite a few things, just by looking at this. By the way, um, the Connect team has dropped an Excel file with this, uh, 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 with this chart. Uh, so, so you can download it. I plan to print this out 
and cut it out and put it in my Bible so that every time I need, I'm in need of say a, a, a psalm about the king, I, I don't have to I don't have to run around like a headless chicken. I go to this and I go like I'm going to Psalm 50, you know, because it's right there, right? This is an excellent guide. I hope uh, uh, um, you can use it uh, to good measure. Um, by the way, there are lots of these online. Uh, some of them categorize them very slightly differently. There will always be variances. Um, I started with a base from someone uh, that someone did and I reworked it, went through and then uh, uh, recategorized some of them. So this is my version. But you know what? Don't even take my word for it. Give it a go, right? Uh, go through your psalms, categorize them yourself or, 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 or put it to the test, right? See if I've got the categorization of all 150 correct, right? Now, one thing you've got to know about reading the psalms is a book as a book in the Bible is that it can be a huge, it can present a huge fluctuation of mood, energy, and tone. When you read the Psalms one after another, it can jump up and down and be extremely volatile in terms of, of, of what it's trying to say. Because a part of me wishes that they gather all the orange ones together and then all the black ones together at the end of the book and all the green ones together. And so if I'm looking for something, it's easier to find it. Our brains think like that. But guess what? Our lives don't work like that. And so what you'll find when you read the Psalms is that you may land in a Psalm like, like Psalm 22, um, where it is a complete lament, right? Uh, uh, my God, why have you forsaken me? Evil dogs surround me, you know? And then you turn the, to the next Psalm and it's the gentle assurance. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. And then you read the next Psalm and the Psalmist says, oh, pumped up, you know? Uh, um, Enter the gates, you know? Uh, uh, what, what's, what's Psalm 24, right? Psalm 24 is, is, is uh, uh, who shall enter the gates, right? Or, uh, um, ah, my brain, my brain departs me right now. But suddenly, the psalmist is all pumped up and full of confidence. And in the next psalm, 25, um, the mood immediately plunges all over again. You know, um, do not, do not allow me to be to be uh, disgraced, O oh Lord. Oh, and you just go into one mood after another, one tone after another, uh, one one feel after another, and that, my friends. Is how life is. Have you not enjoyed a really great day and then just around the corner there is something uh, uh, that has imploded and you still just don't know it yet so you're kind of like merrily on your way and then you know you get a text from someone and your entire next three days have completely changed right and then suddenly you go through some dark valley some horrible thing and then you come out of it and you see God's deliverance and you're praising God and then suddenly the new things happening here and there our lives are like that so if you look at um uh, the distribution of the Psalms according to genre, I would posit that this makes a lot more sense than if we were to gather them into their genres. Why does it make more sense? Because our lives are like that. Now, here's another thing that we need to, to, to observe about this chart. 41, and this is a very, uh, how should I say, conservative estimate. 41% of all the Psalms are lament psalms. By, by and large, the biggest percentage of all the psalms are laments. More than twice of the next highest, which is praise psalms at 
right? More than twice more. What it means is that if you if you were to go through and randomly stab at your at your thumbs, one in every four is going to be more, more, two in a, almost almost two in every four, right? Uh, uh, four in every ten, right? Uh, are going to be psalms that speak of, that give voice to pain, sorrow, trouble, distress, and the like. And so, my friends, we need to take the laments seriously. But, you know, I'm not sure if we really know how to. And I was just playing a, a little game in my own head, um, and I was just thinking, Church, if you have to name your favorite psalm, right, what would it be? Okay, so I'm going to play a little game with all of you guys. Go to your Zoom chat right now and tell us your favorite psalm. I'm going to see what you guys write. I am going to write my own. My own, my own favorite psalm is Psalm 63, right? Okay, um, uh, but what are yours? I want to see all your favorite psalms populating the Zoom chat right now. I see 128, right? Uh, 128 is a, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a wisdom psalm, right? Psalm 23, 119, yeah, 119 uh, is the long one. 121, Psalm 100, 107, 46. I see 46, the famous 46. 23 coming up quite a lot. 21, 49, uh, 31. I love it. All of you guys do have a favorite psalm. If you don't have a favorite psalm, I hope that by the end of this, sermon series, you do have a favorite psalm. I see 91 coming up. So I played this little game in my own head and I thought if I had to list down a top 10, but I don't have space for top 10, so I only did a top 8. If I have to list top 8 most popular psalms in all my 20 years of being in church, right? what do you think those top 8 psalms could be? And I did this, I took a step, I just started writing down psalm numbers uh, uh, straight off the bat. Of course, let's look at the next slide. Of course, Psalm 23 will come out as the top charting one, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's like, uh, uh, um, uh, how many, uh, a few million, two mil, two two thousand years on the top of the Billboard Hot 100, right? It's, uh, it's the Psalm 23. And then, Psalm 91. Everybody loves Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 27, right? Like H.O. Classic. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 1. I actually think Psalm 1 uh, um, is, uh, is popular because of its location as the first psalm. Everybody starts with Psalm 1. So everybody remembers Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, right? And then Psalm 24. Psalm 24 also benefits from location, right? It's like, it's, I was just tweeting yesterday. Psalm 24 is like the restaurant that became famous because it's next to the, another super famous restaurant, which is 23. So everybody who reads 23 ends up reading 24 as well. But it's a great psalm. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in, right? And then I saw some of you say 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord right? Famous psalm. 16, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. They fall in pleasant places, right? And then, of course, I saw some of you say 46. Yes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Now, there's one thing you're going to notice when you look at the most typically popular psalms. Most of them are in light blue, 
which is the Confidence Devotional Psalms. We are looking at that in two weeks' time. Okay, The Psalms that give us faith, that pump us full of, of confidence in the Lord and assuring us. And I think that speaks again of why we use the Psalms. We turn to the Psalms for courage and devotion and that's why we do it. Now, if you really had to squeeze a lament psalm in there, it likely would be lament Psalm 51, the one where David cries out after his his uh, his sin uh, with Bathsheba, and and one where he says, you know, a broken and contrite heart, you will not you 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 will not despise, you know, and um, that was probably the highest charting lament right um out there among all the psalms. Now, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing: we really have to ask ourselves if we have or don't have a dietary deficiency, we have to ask ourselves if we have a dietary deficiency when all our most familiar psalms do not include the laments. We have to ask ourselves that because guess what? Most of the psalms, the, the, or rather the genre with the most numbers, are the laments, and yet they don't show up so Often, it makes me suspect that we are inclined to step around them. We have an awkward relationship with these psalms. God has given them to us. We know that. God has, has a plan on how we are supposed to use them. We know that. And yet, we often not use them. We turn instead to the feeler good ones, the feel-gooder ones, right? The ones that help us feel good. And maybe it's because we are inclined to think that the best way to feel good is by reading something that makes us feel good. Whereas the Psalms do something very different. The Psalms give voice. So here's what the, the, the laments, rather. The laments give voice. They give voice to pain. They give voice to distress. They give voice to feeling... Um, <laughs> abandoned, neglected, you know, cut off from God, waiting until I want to die already, right? And you're still waiting. That's what the laments give us, a voice. And guess what? It is okay. And you're like, no, no, because uh, I'm very scared. Or if I go into the laments, uh, I'm scared that I start to languish. And, and I've been told before I shouldn't languish, you know? Hey, hey. You don't think the Christians, the ancient Christians languished? You don't think that if you try to cover and plaster over your languishing, if you were languishing, that you can fool anybody on the other side of our existence? You think you can fool God by saying that, no, 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 it's not that I want to fool God. I want to psycho myself to be happy. Maybe a lot of us think about it that way. I need to psycho myself to be happy, right? To, to, to make myself more joyful. And I was just uh, sharing this with the worship team, with the worship leaders uh, earlier this week that sometimes we, we, we start the session and we say, okay guys, yeah, I know some of you guys might be feeling down, but let's just put all that aside and because, because we have the joy of the Lord and nobody here should be sad. It's like, okay. Yeah, sometimes we say that. I'm guilty of it myself, you know. But how does that help? You know, have you ever told someone that they're, when they're sad that you should be less sad? You know, does that help? If you tell someone who is grieving, you shouldn't grieve so much. You should be more happy. Or it's, <laughs> Thalia and I were joking about it. She said, that's like telling a diabetic person, you should be less diabetic. You know, <laughs> you can't. You got to go through it. You got to go through it. 
And so in many ways, the laments reminds me of the children's uh, 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 rhyme, right? Uh, we're going on a bear hunt, right? Gonna catch a big one, right? And then they, the, 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 the hunting party reaches a swamp and they say, you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You've got to go through it. Right? And at every obstacle um, that the hunting party encounters, they can't go over it, they can't go under it, they can't go around it, they have to go through it. The pain, the grief, and, and, the, and the, the sorrow that we will face in life are exactly like that. We have to go through them. And so, I want to show you the first of my two points. I've got It's a two-point sermon with a very small addendum in the middle. I want to show you that lament is a sign of intimacy. And then I want to show you that lament is the path out of pain. Lament is a sign of intimacy and lament is the path out of pain. And just between uh, the two, I want to share a little bit about what happens when we don't know how to lament, when we ignore the language of lament, what happens to us if so. But let's start with the first one. Lament is a sign of intimacy. Now, it's something that, that becomes very stark and obvious. When you read the laments, you see the psalmist really saying everything. It's like hashtag no filter with God. They are totally hashtag no filter with God, right? They are saying everything. They are not holding back whatever that's in their mind, in their heart. They are just pouring out in full rawness. They are pouring it all out to God. And often you will see that lament feeling that, that the, these psalms give you the chance to lament feeling forgotten and lament feeling neglected. That if you feel cast off and, and, and cast away and ignored by God, like why like that, you know, like why don't you see me? Why don't you hear my prayer? That the psalms give you that voice to say it. And Psalm 13 says, How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? In other words, I long to take counsel in your soul. But how long must I take counsel in my own soul? Or if you may phrase it in modern day language, how long must I keep solving my own problems? I keep turning to you. I keep praying to you. But I keep having to solve my own problems because you don't seem to come for me. And I have sorrow in my heart all day. Do you have that as your cry? Is your relationship with God in a place where you can speak like that with Him? Psalm 69 says, I'm weary with crying out. My throat is parched. He doesn't have COVID. It's like he's weary. It's not because of COVID, right? His throat is parched because he's crying. He's crying. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. All of Him, all of this psalmist, or her for that matter, if that is you, if that is your voice, is crying and dying and just waiting and feeling like, God, where are you? Where are you? I've been waiting so long. The Psalms help us lament, feeling forgotten, feeling neglected. Next one. The Psalms help us to lament, not just 
not just a feeling of being cut off, but if you can see the next slide, right? Um, let me see what I have here. When you can't bear the pain anymore, right? When, when the pain that you're feeling is so much that you're just breaking down. And you see in, in, in these two Psalms, that, that is literally, you can feel that it's converted. The pain becomes like a physically experienced pain. Psalm 42, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Wow, so it's a shame, you know, like it's, it's like saying, God, so shame, man. Come on, God. I go out there, I tell people I'm a Christian, my God will, my God will, will stand up for me. And then I like so malu because everything is falling apart. What's wrong? Why like that? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Now he's starting to talk to himself. Probably because he feels that talking to God like no answer like that. So he starts talking to his own soul. Why are you cast down? Why are you like that? Fergus, why are you so stupid? Why are you always like that? Why are you always making mistakes? By the way, I talk to myself like that sometimes, you know. It's not very healthy. But scold myself, right? Like, yeah lah, you lah. Always like that. Da, 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 da. Yeah lah, you know. And then I turn back to God and say, because you don't help me lah. Da, 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 da. And then maybe you think like, hey, cannot lah. God is king. You need to fear him a bit more. You cannot talk to him like that. I'm not convinced, law, because the psalmists all talk to him like that, law. You know, you didn't see Psalm 38? My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning, for my sides are filled with burning. There is no soundness in my flesh. This guy is like dying and he's, he has the voice to say everything. He's just saying it all. Right? Whether it's God that he's angry with, whether it's himself that he the, Psalm 38 is angry with himself, huh? He's not even angry with God. He's saying, because of my foolishness, I'm paying the price for it. Oh my everything about me is wrecked right now. And he's just he's just ventilating. Right? And like that. I never knew. Or I thought with God we must talk properly. Or, right? I thought with God we must always start with our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. With a die, not even yours, must King James only. How come like that? No, no, you can lament when you can't bear the pain anymore. Now, the laments, I'm going to push it even further. Actually, it's not me. The Psalms push it even further. I just curate the Psalms for you to see, right? You can you, you even see them attributing their pain to God, right? And let's see the next slide. They're attributing their pain to God. Um, you can see that in, in Psalm... In Psalm 88, wow, Psalm 88 is the darkest psalm, uh, by the way. Um, it's the one that got no happy ending. One. There is one psalm with no happy ending. All the other laments got happy ending, uh, but 88 don't have. Let me, uh, um, we might be a little, we might be having a bit of trouble on the broadcast. So I'm just gonna, okay. Um, Wow, let's look at 88, right? You have put me in the depths of the pit. You, uh, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me. You overwhelm me with all your waves. There lies a pause. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. Wow. Now, if you think that can blame God or not, you know, can I say this? God prefers you to say all these things to Him rather than to say all these things to other people. You know what's the difference between the lament and uh, a complaint? The big difference between a lament and a complaint is all these things are happening in front of God to God. 
And I think that makes a huge difference. It's the game changer. Now, we know that God hates those who grumble, right? God hates it when we grumble. And you know what the old time, the, 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 the Israel's grumbling was like when they were in the desert? They grumble and murmur to each other about God. They turn to each other and say, Yeah, la, you know, uh, God's so lousy. Uh, he made us come out here to die. Uh, might as well die in Egypt. Uh, might as well be slaves in Egypt. At least they got food. Uh. And then another one will go like, Yeah, la, so lousy, la, our God. Yeah, bring us out here. Don't got no plan one. Bring us out here. Walk around the desert. And then all God's people are nyanyang about God to each other. Right? And God's watching and saying like, no, that's murmuring, that's complaining, that's grumbling. And God hates it when we do that. But look at all these laments. It sounds almost like it, right? But the main difference is what? All this is happening right before God. About God, in front of God, to God. And the last one is the most important. It is being directed to God. And God, I always tell you guys, and I'll say it again, God can take it. Our God can take it. Our God is not so, so sensitive. Our God is not so easily offended that if you did some parody about the church, he, he says, this is unacceptable. You know, somebody go strike this person down. God is not that kind of God. Our God has taken all kinds of critique, all kinds of criticism, all kinds of offense, all kinds of... He took it on the cross, lah, guys. He took it on the cross. Will he not take this if he's already taken it on the cross? Of course he can especially, and this is not like the cross. The cross was done in hate and anger and vindictiveness. This is done out of a genuine search for answers. He is okay for you to be not okay. God is okay. If I may borrow the parlance of the TV series, God is okay for you to be not okay. And you can come before Him and say, for in death there is no remembrance of you. What for? You make me die. I love Psalm 6. You see, you see what he's saying in Psalm 6? Right here, in front of you, right? If you, you make me die, what's the point if I die? Can dead people praise you? Who will remember you in hell? Who will remember you in death? Who will remember you in the tomb? Nobody. You might as well keep me alive. At least I can praise you. Wow. First time I read that, I was like, wow, so sassy, man. This psalmist, you know, can sass God like that. But he's not sassing God. He's literally asking him, I, why do I feel so dead? Is there any gain from putting me through this? And he just opens himself up completely. By the way, today is going to be a bit top-heavy. So this first section, I'm going through more examples and it will go thinner towards the end, yeah? Complaints and laments, not the same thing, yeah? Because in lament, you do it to God. Next one. You can even ask God if He really seems to know what He is doing. And you see that again in Psalm 88. He says, every day I call upon you, O God. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? That's exactly the, the verse I was showing you in Psalm 6, right? Yeah. You know or not what you're doing? You know if I die, there's nobody to praise you? You know that dead people, if you kill more and more Christians, if you kill more and more believers, none of them can praise you? What for? What's the, book? What's the point? What's the point? 
And you know, if you, if you put me through so much pain, what's the point? Do you even know what you're doing? I thought you're good. Doesn't feel like you're good. I thought you're generous and kind, merciful, abounding in steadfast love, right? I thought you're all that. You brag about the fact that you're abounding in steadfast love. I don't feel it. Wow. I scared all. I say like that. But actually, these are the laments. These are the cries that God says, Go ahead. Go ahead. Say all these things to me. I am centered. I am God. I'm not moved. Well, his heart is moved, but he's not shaken. He can't take it. I'm not asking you, by the way, I'm not asking you to start being belligerent with God. I'm not asking you to start being rude to God. I'm not asking you. Now, I, I, I have gone through my own phases where my anger, I, I, I believe I crossed the line. I believe I took uh, um, my own ranting against God too far and I crossed the line. And, and I know that because I started calling him names. Uh, and, and I really repent. That I really repented of that. That was in 2014. Um, there was a work situation. I got really angry. I couldn't. I couldn't manage my life, and I got so angry. And I started. I started saying everything that would hurt him the most. Right. I said it, and I regret it. I really, honestly regret it. Because I wounded my lord that day. And it's a journey. It's been a journey for me to find um, the spot between being, being not being too rude, not being rude not being vindictive, not using harsh language on him, and yet being honest and open and raw and true and pure and, 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 and honest that you can just say it in its purest form. If I may use the word pure in that way, in its purest form, you can just speak plainly about how you are with no filters at all. And I repented that time of going too far and I hope none of you ever go too far in terms of hating on God, but you definitely can tell him that you're feeling confused. You definitely can tell him that you're feeling angry, that you're feeling cut off, that you're feeling neglected by him. I will move on. You know, the ironic thing about us being afraid to lament is that we think that it's not appropriate to say that to God. It's, it appears that we have no faith in him. But I read this quote um, by, by a writer called Dan Allender. Um, uh, he wrote an essay called The Hidden Hope in Lament. And I've got, the, I've got the Connect team to drop the link of the actual essay. It's an online thing, right? Um, but I read this quote and it's, it, it, really, it really peeled open the layer of lament for me. The person who hears your lament and far more bears your lament against them, paradoxically, is someone you deeply, wildly trust. You know, church, if you're going to bear your whole soul and be raw and open, you will not do that to someone who can fire you for it. You will not do that to someone who will chastise you for it or who can judge you uh, harshly for it. You will not do it to someone who will, you know, not give you the contract for it or someone who will not go back to, with you on a second date for it, you know. If you, if you don't trust and you don't have the faith that no, that person is safe, truly, fully safe for you to bear your whole heart and soul to, you won't lament. You won't be honest. You will be polite. You'll be as polite as you can be. You will keep things super straight, super proper, not happy or so. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be great. And then you go home and you're like, Psst. 
you know. Um, but in front of everybody, you'll be like, oh no, no, can one, it's okay, yes, yes, right? And that's being polite. It's not the same as being honest. But Dan Allender says here that the person who hears your lament, far more, he bears your lament against them, meaning that you are lamenting about, I'm lamenting about you, God. And you're going to hear my lament and you're going to have to answer to, to, to uh, your, or supposedly answer to all my, all my anger and I'm, because I'm lamenting about you, right? Is someone you deeply, wildly trust. Paradoxically, the language of lament is oddly the shadow side of faith. In other words, lament is the language of intimacy. If you have a relationship that is intimate with God, you will find yourself not being afraid to go before Him and say everything you need to say before Him because you have spent time with Him. You know Him. You are not just polite with Him. You are not just like you meeting the young Dipaton Agong, you daulat tuanku, and then you say all the correct things because you have a set things that you can say in front of tuanku, you know, and, 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 Outside of those things that you can say to Tuanku, um, uh, there's nothing else you can say, right? You must say all the correct things and get out of there, right? But this is not the same thing. When we come before God and when we say Daulat Tuhanku, we can say anything before Him. That's why our God is not like any other. And so that, how do I really know? Is This, this got Bible backing up. Pastor Fox. Yes, it does. Because in Psalm 34, uh, God says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Let's see in the next slide. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. So if you are brokenhearted, the Lord is near to you, extremely near to you. I won't, I won't overshoot and say nearest to you, but He is near to the brokenhearted. And we know from John 15 that the Father is near to those He prunes. So when there is pain and when there is pruning and when it hurts, it's because the Father is holding you in His hands and He is doing something in your life. It's okay, you can cry. Because the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. And that's my first point. Like I said, a little top-heavy, I will breeze through the rest. Before I go into the next point, I want to share a little bit about what happens when we don't know how to lament. If we don't learn, if we don't practice the language of lamenting, if we don't practice the language of, being, of bearing our soul and sharing our heart before the Lord, what happens? Honestly, if we are polite with God, then you will... See, yeah, my friends, I know that we, have, we sometimes have this fear and we may advise each other, we may say to each other, hey, careful, huh? careful, huh? you know, because I don't want you to languish too long. Because if you languish too long, huh, uh, you might become paralyzed, you know, in, in paralyzed, you might get stuck, right? Stuck in languishing. And you might get paralyzed in this mode where you just get sucked into this whirlpool and you, and you just get sucked downwards, you know? And I don't want that for you. And I agree, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you, you know? And so sometimes we say, don't know, don't engage all these lament, lament things. Uh, very, very, very bad, la, don't, la, you know? Because very scared, or what you cannot come out, no? you know? And I understand that. But you know what's the alternative? If we don't learn how to lament, we get stuck. We get stuck with a 
para- we get paralyzed with a perpetual fake smile. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Yes. And if you ever take photo and the person says, okay, everybody smile. Wait up, wait up, wait up. And then you're like, wait up, wait up, wait up. Wait up, oh, you're the setting. And you're like, eee. and like, you know what? Those are the worst photos because you're like, your, 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 your face is so tired holding that fake smile. And like, by the end, you're like, oh, I cannot already, you know? So actually my trick is, uh, I don't smile until the person is go like, okay, ready, one, two. <laughs> that's, my, that's my trick, right? Fake smile is not nice, or no? It's not nice to be to, to be stuck holding on to a perpetual fake smile. The worst, uh, you come to church and you hold a fake smile, and actually everybody, uh, your your own life is like a hancho, everyday hancho. You're going through a really tough season, and then you come to church and must be okay, or must be okay. You got a front because takkan you let other people see that you are vulnerable and broken and all that. So you have to put it together, right? And you get stuck that way, and it's no alternative, my friends. It's no alternative. And I don't want that for you. I want you to have a healthy relationship with God. I want you to have a healthy relationship with your own soul, with your own self. And I don't want you to avoid it. You cannot avoid it. We must learn how to speak the language of honesty. Which leads me to my next point. If you can speak the language of honesty, you will find that lament turns out to be, ironically, the path out of pain. Now, one word of caution. I mentioned just now we are scared sometimes that our friends get sucked into a whirlpool and they get sucked downwards. I understand it can happen. Especially if we let people run along their merry way and they, oh yeah, go ahead and lament, you know, like oh 40% of the of the sounds are lament. So just go ahead and lament, you know, to go or let rip with God. And then we just let people um, do their own thing. And I think that that can be uh that can be a uh, um what's the word? There can be irresponsibility in that. Because we are called to be each other's keepers. And so I believe that if as we, as we grieve together, as we suffer together, the Bible paints us the picture of a church that suffers together, a church that, that, that celebrates together, a church that goes through hard times and good times together, that we are always going through these things together. And so I agree that if you send people into, into the language of, of just grieving before God and we don't keep a short line to them, we don't put our arm around them, we don't support them, we don't love them, we don't care for them, we don't check in with them frequently, that that can be a form of irresponsibility. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't keep each other so far. We should keep each other close. We should check in um, with those among us who are suffering in order to make sure that there is that, that, that no one gets sucked down uh, a spiral. Um, and that, I suppose, is the mitigating uh, uh, um, uh, things that we can do, or the things we can do to mitigate some of our fears for sending people into lament. But if you don't send people into lament, you get stuck in fake smiles. But when you do, you send them into a path that leads them out of pain. And I want to show you this through one of the Psalms that I think displays this so beautifully, right? And so we'll see this in the next slide. Um, Psalm, it is Psalm 42. Uh, uh, One step back, it is Psalm 42. Psalm 42, by way, the first two uh, uh, verses are the famous verses of the song, As the deer panteth for 
the water so my soul longs after you and it sounds so gentle and so peaceful and calm because all I see is a is a nice wood and a slow running brook and a little deer going there and it's drinking gently and I go like oh this is exactly like Psalm 23 when the sheep lie down beside still waters right but no no, verse 3 onwards, the psalmist lets rip. He says, My tears have been food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And then he switches mode. Right? He's, mo- he's mourning, he is lamenting, and then he switches mode. He says, How? Then he remembers. He remembers an old thing that happened to him. So he is still down. The psalmist of Psalm 42 is down. And then he remembers a time when he wasn't down. And this is what he remembers. I've highlighted it in blue. Okay? He remembers how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. Let's just stay on this slide. I remember how I used to go to church and I would be there worshipping on the fourth row and jumping and raising my hands. I remember that. With glad shouts and songs of praise, I remember that. A multitude keeping festival, I remember all of us back then. I remember when all of us were there celebrating the Lord together. Now I'm down, now my tears have been my food, day and night, but I remember that. And so the only thing he can cling on to, he can cling on to a memory of joy. And that's where he starts. Church, is that all you have? Cling on to that. That's a good place to start. And he starts with the memory of when he was joyful before the Lord. And says, God, don't I remember those days? I remember those days, those days when I was on fire for you. God, why is my prayer life so wrecked? Why can't I even wake up one morning to pray? Why can't I even put in half an hour to pray without distractions? Lord, my mind is a wreck. My flesh is chained to my phone. My heart and my eyes are chained to stupid things. God, what's wrong with me? I remember at Malam Pentecostal 2019 in Sarawak. I was waking up every morning to pray for one hour in tongues and I went and walked around that stadium and I prayed. I prayed like non-stop. I prayed like my life depended on it and I went back into the hotel room and I prayed for 45 minutes straight and I did not cease from praying. I remember that. Why am I in such a mess right now? And so you see that from honest lament you can transit out of honest lament into accessing your repository of good memories. Remember last week, I talked to you about a repository. You need a repository of praise. You need a repository of good works. You need a repository of how God has been good to you so that you can witness, so that you can ask yourself, can I have a witness? Can I have a witness? And then you yourself can witness back and say, I remember those days. Those days were far better. And then that Begin, it breaks the cycle of just lamenting. And then now you are saying, I remember that. Oh God, how I gave you praise. And then what you are really doing is found in 40, Psalm 42 verse 7, which is my last slide. And I want to show it to you now. Because in verse 7, it says, Deep calls to deep. Somebody say this with me. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, 
the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. My friends, Psalm 23 ends with surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, correct? Just before that, there is a table. You remember that table? The table that God sets before all your enemies, it is at that table where He anoints your head with oil. It is at that table where your cup runs over. You want to get to that? I want to get to that. I know we all want to get to that table. How do you get to that table? How do you get to the table where your cup runs over? You pass through the valley of death. You pass through the valley of death. That's how you get to the table. And how, what happens in the valley of death? What happens in the valley of death? Deep calls to deep. Your deep pain calls out to God's deep pain on the cross. Your rejection calls out to God, Jesus rejected on the cross. Your, your sense of failure calls out to Jesus being, being hung on the cross to die. Your sense of, of, of being spurned calls out to God the Father's heart of being spurned by Israel throughout the Old Testament. Your sense of injustice calls out to God's sense of injustice where Jesus uh, 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 being unjustly, unjustly uh, um, punished by people whom He loves. You're deep, my friends. That's what happens when you lament deep calls to deep and when your deep goes out in honest expression god accepts any and every honest expression of emotion he accepts it all when your deep rises out to touch god's deep you will find hebrews chapter 4 being true that god sees everything Anyway, we all stand before him naked as if we could hide in the first place. He sees everything. And you'll find Hebrews chapter 2 coming true. That we have a God who is, who we do not have a high priest who, has, who cannot understand us. He understands us. He's gone through everything. And yet he was not he, he was without sin and so he can give you strength to help in time of need. And today, Hebrews 4, you can show up before his throne of grace to look for help in time of need and to look for mercy and grace. That's what happens when your deep calls to deep. So my friends, don't be afraid to access the innermost pain in your heart when there is i mean when there isn't you don't have to go and invent it right when there isn't you don't have to go and manufacture pain because oh pastor Fergus says we need to lament he said no no when you need to lament lament when you don't need to lament you know you don't 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 fake it but when you do and your deep touches his deep then he lifts you out of it and and maybe people in the world will say that that's like it sounds like therapy right for us, I would rather use it, say it this way, it sounds like healing. 
And that's why sometimes you hear people say that, oh, it sounds like she's healed of it because I see that she can talk about it. Have you all heard people say like that? It seems like this person has healed from their experience because they can talk about it. I've heard people speak like that and I think there's some truth to it. Because when you talk about it, the talking about it leads to healing. Articulating it leads to healing. Speaking about it brings about a restoration in your heart. That is how God has created us. And He gave us 41% of the Psalms. Some 27, if I'm not mistaken, right? Of the Psalms. More, 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 more than 20. With lament language. So that we can heal from our pain. So that at the end of it all, we find that our own voice changes and we say, by day the Lord commands His steadfast love. Oh, now I see. I remember and then now I see. And at night, His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And guess what? True to form, when His rod and His staff comfort you, He leads you out of that valley to a broad place. And that's my prayer for every one of us. Come, let's close. We turn to you, Lord God, in every situation. On joyful days, we turn to you, give you praise, give you thanks. In dark days, we turn to you. Because we know our Father's arms are open wide. We can come, we can run into your arms. We can come, run into your arms and, and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm desperate. Lord, help. Lord, help. And if you have a cry, you have a cry for help right now, I want you to just lift up your hands and just cry out loud. You, your, your, your mic is off anyway. You can just cry out loud and say, God, why like that? God, come. God, help. I need you. And you can just let it all out for Him. Oh, hallelujah. Physical church, if you guys are still ministering, then allow ministry to continue. For the rest of us online, I want to say a prayer for every one of you. Father, I thank you for each of us. And I pray, Father God, that you'll just increase, increase our, 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 our frequency range, Lord. Help us to tap into this frequency of lament. Help us to tap into this range of language, of this vocabulary, of this, of this expression because we dare not touch it sometimes. We don't know what to do with it. But Lord, help us to step into it with full honesty, vulnerability, trusting and knowing that behind all of our cries is a God who loves us. It's a God who wants the best for us. And so, my church, you and I all know that without God, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But my friends, only those who engage the tunnel discover the light at the end of it. Only those who engage the tunnel discover the light at the end of it. So Father, I pray, Father God, that you'll lead us in and through every dark valley so that you can take us out of it one day to a broad and fertile place. I bless my church. I bless every single one of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Turn His face towards you and give you shalom. May the Lord grant you grace.
be gracious to you, turn his face towards you and be gracious to you and give you peace. And all of God's people, shout aloud, Amen. Amen. And